podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Snooker's In podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. I'm in Southport this week and uh, Phil Yates, Neil Folds and Alan McManus join me to talk about the shootout, look ahead to the World Championship and discuss the fate of the Class of 92. So we start with the shootout. Um, great win for Michael Holt and I think... Neil, whatever anyone thinks about that event, and not everyone thinks it should be a ranking event, you could see the delight on Holty's face 24 years and finally wins a TV event. Yeah, look, I don't think anyone in their right minds uh, you know, thinks it should be um, a ranking event, except Barry, to be honest. But uh, I think the, the off the, the, they were given the, um, an ultimatum either it goes as a ranking tournament or it disappears off the calendar. It's not much of a choice, is it? But anyway, <laughs> that's it. Great event. I don't care that it's, it's, it's a ranking event. I don't play anymore. Um, uh, but I suppose there's a few you know, reasons why uh, it would be you know, a controversial one, but I think we have to move on from that. It was great to see Holty win, uh, and that's what the shootout's all about. It's an opportunity, isn't it? You don't see too many lower-ranked players missing out, and I know that Mark King forgot to enter. I think Robbie Williams didn't, and maybe he doesn't like getting uh, mixed up with another Robbie Williams. I'm not sure why. But um, everyone else in those that position the rankings played in it and why wouldn't they it's an opportunity and Holty took it and it's, I'm delighted for him like yourself it's a great story yeah and alright 50,000 is, is a lot of money but he put a picture of his dad's not been well at all he had a stroke a few yeah. years ago and you know he's been watching Michael on TV obviously you know willing him to win something and he, he put a picture of him taking the trophy to show his dad and that's what it's all about isn't it because he's been there obviously with him from the start Absolutely, and you know when you're on the circuit you get sort of desensitised about things and it's just a tournament and your emotions sort of cool down and they're not involved, but I haven't felt as nervous for anyone uh, as I did in that final until we go out to the German Masters with Anthony Hamilton, I really wanted him to win that, nothing against Ali Carter, he's just such a good guy Anthony, deserves a ranking title, finally got one. And I felt the same way with Michael Holt in that final. Really, 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 really pleased about that. Um, he, he's been persevering for so many years, had so many disappointments, he's had so many low moments. And clearly that was a, a very high one. And it wasn't just winning the title in the 50 grand, of course, it got him into the Players' Championship. It could very well get him into the Champion of Champions. And there's lots of other spin-offs as well. So good luck to him. Yeah, we were at breakfast here in uh, Sapport the, the morning. It was uh, the, the Monday morning, wasn't it? The, 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 literally the day after, or the Tuesday, uh, Monday, the day after, Tuesday, whenever it was. Anyway, we were at breakfast, and the great and the good of the game were coming up, basically shaking his hand. John Higgins, all these people, Karen Wilson, all, all genuinely delighted for him. But we talk about ner- Bill was nervous watching. Alan, you played in it. Uh, you played yeah. Ronnie O'Sullivan at, probably at the loudest moment of the whole tournament that, that Friday night. What was that like? It was tough. You know, um, it's very different from any other tournament, obviously, and it. The difficulty from a player's point of view was not being able to hear anything, yeah. really. You know, you can't. Uh, I couldn't hear the referees. I'd certainly, Ronnie had a, a, a little <coughs> foul in there and she tried to intervene a, a shot or two later, but I didn't notice anything. And then later on in the frame, she spotted the, the she put the yellow in the green spot, and I was completely unaware. If that was a normal event, you would spot it straight away. You kind of, a, your head just gets a bit scrambled. Um, but look, it, being a ranking event, the players don't control these things, it's, it's up to the powers. And, um, you know, everyone's entitled to play in it. Some didn't. That's absolutely fine. But um, I think when you look at the list of winners, it's all good players that win it. You know, it's not... The balls don't go in themselves. You've still got to... Yes, it's not traditional snooker, but you've, you've got to have your wits about you mm. at all times. And, and Holty, you know, final last year, win it this year. There's something in that. You know, there are guys who excel in it. You know, guys like Unnu, Graham Dot, a few others. Um, so every credit to, to Michael and... Look, if, if, if I had been lucky enough to win it, I would, 
I wouldn't consider myself having won a ranking event. I must be honest, mm. because I'm pretty traditional. But Michael and or no one else, as I say, controls these things. Uh, what I would say, Alan, having watched you play it every year, I can tell you that you're never going to win it. I'm hopeless. You exactly. never win it. <laughs> exactly. right? You know all about it. You know all the moves. But you can't you can't put them onto the table. I, I've seen I, I, you're never going to win it. I'm telling you that now. I, I totally agree. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, it's all on tape. Well, right? it is a bit of tough love there. But um, <laughs> but here's but here's here's a hot potato fill for you. Okay, I'm a contentious point. Right, we were at the Masters, and a lot of effort had been made with the Century Club and the Sofas to essentially take Snooker up market. They said, you know, we can bring potential blue chip sponsors here. It's a sort of corporate affair. This is the opposite. This is down market. I mean, you know, people were encouraged to shout out. They were encouraged to drink. It was the exact opposite of what, you know, this sort of, this plan to sort of take Snooker up market. Well, you want a controversial comment and I'll give you one. The only thing that I don't like about the shootout, I actually enjoy the format. It's one of 17 world ranking events in the season, so its effect on the rankings is pretty diluted, let's face it. If there were more than one, then you've got a problem, I think. So the only thing I don't like about it, I think it's a great spectacle, is this repetition in the crowd. 127 matches. <coughs> Five minutes into every single match, the woman came on to announce it was a 10 second shot clock. 127 times the crowd went, ooh, how many more times can you take it? There's nothing worse in the world than repetition. Is that is that not just because we had a bunch of grumpuses? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a given. That's am, a given. I'm, Don't worry about I'm, that. I am a fully paid up member of the World Professional Curmudgeon Society. I admit that. But potato. <laughs> you know, the Pink Panther theme. You know, and that lay on the first afternoon. Once, twice, ten times. Okay. But a hundred times after it, you just feel like, ooh, it's <laughs> Doesn't that happen at golf, you know, when yeah. someone hit, t- hits a ball and they shout out mashed potato or something? But that's equally irritating. Okay. Equally. Right. But equally. that's, that's only in the States, really. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, all yeah. I would say is that we were there, Neil, um, and Alan was there. Um, at the end of every night when we left, people were leaving with a smile on their face. Yeah. They paid their money, all right, It might. some of it might have been annoying, but they'd had a good day out. And, you know, from the way they were sort of looked, they will be back next year. So the, the event is a success. I don't think you could deny that. No, I don't mind the comments. I think, yeah. isolatedly, they'd be quite funny. Like, you know, zhu, 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 the dog's out. Once or twice, I thought it was really funny. But when you hear it the 15th time, it's not yes. funny. Yes. You know, it's like the sort of, um, you know, uh, the, re- the repetition is, is the thing that really gets under my skin. Okay, well, you got that off your chest. Uh, the main topic of the day, we're going to talk about, uh, we often lump in Ronnie O'Sullivan, Mark Williams, John Higgins together, the class of 92, all turned pro at the same time. All, of course, have had unbelievably successful careers, a golden generation of players. Uh, but this season hasn't been so good for them. If you go back two seasons, they won between them 10 ranking events, half the ranking events on the circuit. Mark Williams won the World Championship, and they were the dominant three players of that season. This season, they haven't won any. It's only Mark Williams who's been in a final of a ranking event. Ronnie O'Sullivan won the Shanghai Masters, but hasn't really come close to winning a ranking tournament. John Higgins has been in you know, a couple of semi-finals, but isn't quite doing it. And I guess the question is, is this, <laughs> is this the beginning of the end? I mean, it's obviously a dangerous thing to suggest that because they're all so celebrated and, and, and won so much. But I guess they can't go on forever. No, it might be the beginning of the end, but it's, it's going to be a long time till it really ends completely, isn't it? Because um, if you want to talk about those three, they are the, the three, obviously. Joe Perry doesn't get mentioned. You mentioned, I think, the other day in commentary about him, and, and he's 
he's playing good stuff. He's back in the 16, and someone of that age in Stuart Bingham has just won the Masters. So when Ronnie didn't play in the Masters, thought, okay, great chance for somebody else. Ronnie's dominated the Masters. Who wins it? Stuart Bingham. Great, but he's of that same age as well. So it's an age thing as well. As far as those three is concerned, they're not as dangerous as they were. They haven't won anything this year, as you pointed out. Um, they're still great players, and it's a question of how tolerant they're all going to be. I wonder which one is going to be the Steve Davis of those three and, and happily ends up dropping down the rankings knowing that you know his best days are behind him because Steve was happy to do that for a long time. I don't know, maybe John Higgins might be that person but I, I think that it's safe to say that other players are coming through but there's still a, a gulf. The players in their 20s aren't quite making the breakthrough with a few exceptions so we might be waiting for the, the next generation of players to completely dominate. I think for the moment they're effective. They're all in the top eight. And they've got no reason to retire while they're in that position. I think, yeah, obviously they're awesome players. I do think, though, in the modern game, there's there's something in this that the younger guys who are coming through, we know Judd's one of them, he's a top man right now, but a bunch of the other younger guys, let's say between 20 and 30, they've not had the schooling even as a pro in terms of playing on a main table. Now, John and Ronnie, and they, they got used to that when they were 20, 21. You know, so they, and it is different, you know, as a player, and Neil would say the same, it is different. It shouldn't be, but it is. Eyes are on you, you know, focus is on you, people, attention's on you, and it's how you deal with it. I think from a young age, they've been used to that. So I think a lot of the, let's take, I don't know, Jack Lozowski is, is, is one, you know, roughly same age as Judd. How many main table matches has he played in the last 10 years from 20 to 30? Probably not that many. If you, if you looked at how many he's played as to many, how many John or Ronnie or Mark played between 20 and 30, you'd be lucky if it's 5% of what they did. So maybe there's that. that I mean, I'm only, I'm only surmising, but you, you don't really know. But um, I think there is something that, because a lot of players I've seen, younger guys, they, they go on the main stage, main table, and they don't perform. Yeah. Uh, whereas John, Ronnie, Mark, that's the back garden sort of thing. But there's probably other reasons for that. It seems to me, Phil, that you know they, the three of them, they're still getting through several rounds of tournaments. They're beating, I guess, most players on the tour. But we're in Southport last night. Higgins lost to to Judd Trump. They're not quite beating those guys. I mean, Ronnie lost to Karen Wilson in Wales, a match where he probably should have won. He kind of had a, you know, kind of went in that match. That must be a concern now for them. I think they all know it as well. Mm. That's the thing. When you go to a, a certain age in any sport, you're fighting against the dying of the light. And I think five years ago, quite conceivably, we could have had this conversation mm. then because the traditional demographics of snooker, if you get to 39, 38, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was it. So the fact they've continued on at the very highest level for so long, I think is an absolutely, uh, you know, an absolute tribute to them. Whether they can continue on for another five years, that really must be open to question. I personally hope they do so because it's great to see them, all three of them, you know, the, that, that, that great triumvirate. But eventually, you know, all good things come to an end. I know it's a, a cliche, but it's true. I do think desire comes in. You know, what, what age are they now? 44, 45. At some stage in your life, you know, you, you reach an age where you think, I've done it all, I've been round the block umpteen times, I've lifted that, I've won this, I've done that. Do I want to keep doing this sort of treadmill or, or uh, of, of going to tournaments, going to China, going to the Crucible for a foot? See me think about it. Let's take any of those three guys. Over a period of the last 25 years, how many nights have they spent in the hotel room? Mm, yeah. It's probably 
four or five months of every year. It's a long time, you know, and, and, and at some stage, I know I don't like travelling. You know, everyone's different. Um, I think Ronnie's one that probably doesn't like travelling all that much. I don't, I don't really know. But being away from their families and all that sort of thing, there does become a tipping point where you go over the top of the hill and you think, well... Yeah, surely, know. surely when there were thirty-eight, thirty-nine, that was the time for that. I mean, you know, they've they've gone on this long, haven't they? So why can't they go on longer? The point I think is age. When does age actually play a part? Uh, that's the that's the question, and I'm wondering if uh, <coughs> mid to late forties probably you wouldn't expect anyone to be as good as a player to stay at the top flight. In and the also, sport. That's and also, what I would say. it's what you say as well. Now, what you said at the start is, are they going to be satisfied turning up just getting through <coughs> a few rounds? If they feel they're no longer challenging for titles, is it time to say, well, actually, I don't want to do the travelling just to get to a quarter-final because they've been so used, obviously, to winning tournament after tournament after tournament for, for decades now. Is it going to be a case where, well, actually, we've, we've sort of accepted that we're not going to... We're going to do what Stephen Hendry did, effectively, which is retire still at the top. Well, Mark Williams is the other one, isn't he? Obviously, he lost heavily this week um, to Mark Selby, which no disgrace at all, but it was, it was a very one-sided game. I think we'd written him off a couple of years ago, hadn't we? I had, anyway, when he didn't qualify that year. I know everyone had mm. been through it, lost in the qualifiers, didn't make the crucible. No one, could, If anyone said to me he's going to be world champion next year, I'd say, well, you've lost your mind saying that. Um, so, you know, he's an example of someone that it proves you can. They have got the class and they can still keep going. But, you know, he's another example of someone that I'm just not sure quite where he is with his game at the moment, if he's motivated enough. Um, only he could answer that. This is the danger, though, isn't it? You know, because they're so good... We're reacting to a few bad results. They've both been on a bad run. But, you know, Ronnie did win a tournament. He won in Shanghai. You always get the feeling, him in particular, I think, of the three, could turn it on. He's not happening at the moment. It's not to say it won't. So even though, as you say, you know, they're getting on in years, it's not impossible they're going to keep winning tournaments. The, the treadmill I was talking about, I don't think people, the casual viewer or snooker enthusiasts, I don't think they actually realise the life of a snooker player. Mm. They only see the kind of bright lights and the main table and the lifting trophies and all that sort of stuff. And I've said in comms many times, it's a good life, but it's a tough life. But it's also a weird life. Mm. When you think about it, you know, the M6, you know, every junction back to front, you know, the the 66, the M1, the this, the You're up and down, um, hotel rooms become so familiar, it's like ridiculous. And it's it's just, it's very difficult. Um, It's a very, very strange life. But... I, I suppose uh, 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 you can. A lot of people say the grass is always greener, but um, as I say, it's a good life. But whether they want to continue, I think that's the, talent-wise. I think they're still there as long as the eyes are holding up and the body's holding up, which definitely is with Ronnie. You know, he's a fit lad. Um, there is that. But. but I guess as well, like a lot of sports people, they're on that treadmill and they retire and then they miss it. They actually yeah, miss the yeah, treadmill, exactly and, they, and a lot of people make comebacks. Yeah. I mean, you, like you always say, you're a long time retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. The last thing I'll say on that is uh, the question is: Will any of them, any of those three, ever be world champion again? If the answer is no, fair enough. If the answer is yes, which one? Because you might say, well, Ronnie's the most ability. John's been in the last three finals, but Mark won it more recently than either. Yeah. So it's a really difficult one to answer. I, I expect there's a world title in there somewhere, and if any of them could. And someone said, well, one of them will win it. I think Ronnie's probably the only one that can. And well, might, en- others might see it completely yeah. differently. Funnily enough, uh, t- we were sort of chatting about this last night. The World Championship is kind of very different, actually, to the rest of the circuit. It is, it is its own particular beast. And as you say, Higgins, you know, has got that game where he can 
plough through these these sessions and, and has been in the three finals. Ronnie can find inspiration. Uh, Mark, two years ago, played great. So it, it, maybe if they're going to come good at any tournament, it'd be that one. And in my humble opinion, I think the last two world finals have been the best two ever. One for quality mm. and one for quality plus drama. And Williams and Higgins have been involved in both of them. So, you know, they are not write-off cases no. in any way, shape or form. And let's hope, for snooker's sake, that they remain at the top of the game for as long as they possibly can. OK, um, we'll, we'll move on, actually, to the World Championship. I wanted to look forward to it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's coming up in a couple of months' time. It's a bit weird this year because there's no China Open, um, which it's always kind of a rush to get into the Crucible. But actually, obviously, the qualifiers will be playing in the qualifying. But... Uh, for everyone else, the well, Gibraltar basically is the last event. Tour Championship only eight players. So in terms of form directly going into it, it's hard to, to choose. But obviously we've got the whole season that's just, uh, that's just gone. And uh, there are a certain number of players, obviously, who are going to be favourites. Judd Trump, all eyes are on him. He's defending champion. We always talk about this crucible curse. You know, no first-time winners defending the title. Could he be the first, Phil, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. At the moment, when I'm in commentary or I'm writing something... I feel like a horse who's got like loads of power and the jockey's holding him backwards. I, I don't want to say too There's much. An image for you. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm putting up overweight, by the yes, way. Yes. Yeah, uh, I don't want people to think I'm overhyping Judd, but he's playing so well. To me, he's now bordering on all-time great in terms of well, certainly in how he plays the game. He's already there, but I think he's got the potential to be an absolute megastar because. He's taken certain shots to a whole new level. He plays shots that people, most people can't. Now, how many snooker players can you say that about? Well, I think it, the, the brand of snooker he's playing is very interesting to watch, and it's something we haven't seen before, even from the great players, just the way he plays, the controlled aggression that he's got, the way that he pots balls that he shouldn't pot. But normally, people that pot balls miraculously aren't, aren't the best <coughs> players, you know? You know what I mean? There's always been players that have been incredible potters of the ball. Uh, going back, I mentioned the name of Cliff Wilson, who's obviously many, many years ago was a wonderful potter, but he wasn't really a, a champion, was he? You know, he was old at the time, but but you know, um, he's he's the brand of snooker he plays is different, and I think it must be quite scary to play against him because I'm not sure you could ever think that you put him safe. Well, Cliff Wilson, his tagline on the adverts he used to have in snooker scene yeah. for his exhibitions, you've never seen anything like yeah. it. And that's the same with Trump. We've never seen anything that's like right. it. No, well, that's true. But he's, <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that he's going to be under massive pressure walking out on day one like all other first-time champions. First one up, and he will have all the chat going in. And if you look at, you know, this, this triple crown thing's become this, this big thing. They all wear the crowns on their waistcoats. If you look at the other two events this season, he lost early to Nigel Bond at the UK Championship, which was a massive shock. He lost first round of the Masters. So actually, in those events where there's all this attention, he hasn't performed this season, despite winning the other four tournaments. So, you know, there's, there's still massive pressure on him. Yeah, I think he'll struggle to win it again um, from the first time. I'm sure he'll win it again in his career a few times, but whether it's going to be this year, uh, I really don't know for that reason. And the, the other great players have struggled. I mean, Steve Davis completely collapsed in his first year in his defence, didn't he, against Tony Knowles? I know we, everyone knows that story, but it happened. And uh, you know, the, the two that have come the closest were the two that may, maybe went in with the least pressure. Perhaps no one thought Ken had a chance the year he got to the final. And, and Joe, no one gave him a prayer the year after he won it and he got to the final. So maybe when the pressure's on, it's, it's too, too much for anybody. I think as well the the fact that China Open's postponed this uh, season, I think will help the tournament. I think, I think when you think back to it, being a seed, which I was a few <coughs> times, you 
you you want to go into it well re- well sort of rested, which everyone's going to be this this time, and that might sound like you're only going to China for one extra tournament. But when you've got maybe a, a a base at home for maybe three, four, even five weeks prior to the championship, you can really prepare. You know, you can think well. First couple of weeks, I'll just lo- I'll, I'll loosen up in the club or your table, wherever you practice. Then the last three weeks, you build it and build it, and you, you really go there hitting it good, I think. And we say it every year, it's going to be a brilliant championship. I think this year especially is going to be awesome. There's obviously two or three favourites, possibly four. You know, you're looking at Judge, Sean, uh, Neil, and possibly Ronnie, or probably Ronnie. Um, but there are others, you know, that you, you just never know, as, as Neil says with Joe Johnson and other guys have come through. It's going to be an awesome championship, and I think the standard will be frightening, It'll be mm. brilliant. I think you'll get you'll get the most centuries ever because they're all ch- they all chase centuries, not just winning frames these days. So the standard will be frightening. And also, I would say to our listeners, the absolutely intriguing part of the championship isn't only those seventeen days; it's the qualifiers. Those qualifiers mould careers; they destroy careers. You know, you can suddenly move from nowhere to being something, and. All best of 19 frame matches, four rounds this time. So much drama there. You're right. Yeah, I mean, look look back at last year. There's always a maybe not surprise package, but a, a sort of there's always one guy in the draw who does something mm. unexpected, like James Cahill last year, and he's had a rough season. Although he's had difficult draws most of the way through, um, and he's only won a, a less than a handful of matches this season. But last year, gets the crucible played Michael Judge. Let's not forget to qualify. Beats Ronnie, and beat him. You know Ronnie didn't play at his best, but he, he beat him playing awesome stuff. And you could argue should have beat Maguire, so he could have got to the semis. You know you just don't know. You, um, there's always one. As I wonder who's going to be this year. It's, uh, but it could be a big surprise. Well, Neil's involved in Judgment Day with Rob Walker. They do a great job up there, and that those two days, you know the last. The final qualifying round of the World Championship. It's two of the biggest days of the snooker year for me, yeah. just as big as maybe any final. Yeah, I always enjoy emailing in ridiculous questions for Judge. Yeah. It keeps you going, doesn't it? No, no, it does. It's yeah. real pep. It's just what we need, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, after 11 hours of a. Now, listen, it's great fun, and, and just to get to the Crucible means a lot. I remember actually when you qualified, um, I don't know, was it the year you got to the semis? A few years ago, Rob asked you the question, what does it mean to you? And you, you said, well, it means something, but it doesn't mean everything. And I think that was almost the best attitude to have. You've been there enough times, it's not your first time, and that maybe helped you get through, because it can be quite torturous, that qualifying, that last round. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you get there, when you're older and you've maybe not been for a bunch of years, I remember at one point in that championship, I was playing John Higgins, and, and we were doing the kind of... You, you almost do a little waltz, a dance, getting out of each other's way, because the chairs are, you know close up there at the bulkhead and I was leaning against where the trophy would sit because the, the curtain came up and I was I was standing there and I thought bloody hell this is this is good you know this I'm this is where I want to be you know that I, I had a moment you know you, you get a moment in life and I, I actually was leaning against the thing and John was looking at a safety and I thought aye okay this is this is like the one of the best 10 seconds of my life you know and I thought but and I thought right let's get back into the match and it was brilliant so I enjoyed it in a in a different way. I I felt the pressure. I've won ten nine. I've lost ten nine. I've not done everything there, but I, you know I've, I've been through the, the the ringer as as most guys have if you've been there a few times. Um, so you can enjoy it 
that way. So, you know, some of the older players. It's like guys like Dave Gilbert. Let's take Dave Gilbert, for example, semis last year. It'll probably only be in a few years' time when he's playing there. He'll appreciate what he did mm. last year. Last year was a, probably a bit of a, a kind of, you know, he caught in a blizzard or something. He, he finds himself like he should be in the final. He should have beaten John really. let's say. It was like three, four, five frames in front most of the way. Um, so it does that to you, you know. And, um, yeah. and the amazing thing is, I've been going there since the 70s. I think my first Crucible was 78, uh, when my father was a spectator. And every year you go back, nowadays you walk into those press seats and every year the first thought is, I didn't realise it was this small. And of course you've been there many, many times mm. before, <laughs> but every year it hits you. Yeah. you know, it's so intimate, such a fantastic... It's legend, <laughs> it's legend grows. And, and what's happened in recent years is um, a lot of people have come from around the world. They hear the, the word Crucible. It means something. And it's like a pilgrimage. And I think a couple of years ago, the guys from Canada were there, weren't they? And, and, and all, right, from all yeah. sorts of places, they, they come around um, to, to sort of pay homage. But we're going to wrap up. I'm going to ask for a prediction from each of you. It's very, can, can I, yeah. Sorry, Dave, okay, yeah. just quickly tell yeah. that story. The guy from Canada, yeah. I, was, I was standing up at the pub at the top of the Crucible Square, um, semi-final, mm. night before the semi-final, and I was talking to a guy outside, a Canadian guy. I said, oh, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, so you're here for the championship? He said, oh, yeah, this is the best week of my life. But in fact, I think he was there for two weeks, the best two weeks of my life. I said, oh, good, how many? Have you seen a few matches? Mm. He said, no, I've not seen any. Or I think, no, he'd seen one session mm. of the fortnight. And he was, like, over the moon just to be outside the crew. And yeah. I thought, I've got to get this guy a ticket. Mm. I went and seen Mark, uh, Big Mark, the, um, from Betfred. The, from Betfred. And uh, he, he managed to get us a ticket for the semi-final session the next day. So I got the guy's number, the Canadian lad, and I, I texted him the next morning. I said, listen, I've got your ticket for the first session, the semi-final. And he, he, it was like Christmas times, like 100. And the guy was like sweet and just nice. And he was like, I thought, he he needs to have a ticket to experience the one team. Brilliant. And he got in. So, so that's what it yeah. does to people. Brilliant. OK, so finally, do you want to put you all on the spot? And you don't have to explain the choice. You don't have to make any explanation as we sit here end of February. Who's your tip for the World Championship? Well, I'll say Neil Robertson. I thought last year he looked like the winner the first week, um, but he, he just didn't. He blew out a little bit in the second week, didn't he? But um, I'll go. I'll go with Neil Robertson. I believe he can win it again, and, and why not this year? He's playing so well. Obviously, you're playing in it, Alan. But anyone else you want to you want to go for? Yeah. Um, I, I think Judd's a favourite for me. I, I think Judd um, is is incapable of dropping below a certain level right now, especially over a long match. I don't see anyone beating him in a session 7-1 or 6-2, possibly 6-2. I don't see that happening. And he's going to win sessions heavily, in my opinion, mm. but uh, I think he's a strong favourite. I think he'll do it. Trump in early May. I'm not too sure about early November. Controversial. He's making <laughs> he's making snooker great again, is Adjord. OK. So, yeah, so you're going for Trump? Yeah. Yes. OK, right. <laughs> uh, I actually think... I actually could see him winning it. It's weird. I think, he, I think he's either going to lose on day one or possibly win it it's one of those I think that first day is such pressure on it you know the first match um, but like you say if he gets to the longer matches you could see him winning session 7-1 you know and, and a lot will depend who he draws you know, course, you know yeah. in that match if someone's not played there before they'd find it hard to beat him wouldn't yeah. they but my tip's Mark Selby um, okay. and I'm not going to tell him more than that he's won it three times and yeah. I think he might come good again thank you all and uh, we'll be back again at some point with another podcast hopefully Sports Social Podcast Network